the cold fish. She also wondered if Mary was aware that the vicar, the Reverend Peter Cummings, was madly in love with her. When Mr. and Mrs. Anstey received the news that the despised captain had fallen heir to an earldom, their joy knew no bounds, and, of course, they themselves wrote to assure the new earl of a warm welcome. He replied to them, not to Mary, saying he would be returning in November, and would appreciate it if they would make immediate plans for the wedding. It was a sharp lesson to young Emily in the ways of the world. All the county had accepted invitations to the wedding because Mary was to marry an earl. Emily did not see how her parents could bear to ask all the people who had snubbed them so unmercifully in the past, but Mr. and Mrs. Anstey were so triumphant at their daughter's social success that they seemed not even to trouble their heads with such petty considerations. The Earl was to arrive on the following day. The wedding was to be the following week. Emily found it hard to reconcile Mary's description of the shy young captain who had courted her ten years ago with the chilly, autocratic, formal letters that had arrived over the years. But then, everyone seemed to write very high-flown, stilted English. Mrs. Anstey bustled into the room. She was a small, fat woman, whose discontented face showed faint traces of the beauty she had had as a girl. She wore a starched muslin cap that stuck out at all angles, as if the laundress had given the cap a fright from which it had never recovered. Until the splendid news of the captain's elevation to the peerage, Mrs. Anstey had been inclined to bully her gentle older daughter expressing loudly that it was a disgrace to have an old maid in the family, and God forbid that Emily should become an ape leader as well. Now her manner had changed to that of a fond and doting mamma. She tiptoed around Mary the way one does around a sick person, and addressed her in a meek whisper, rather than in vulgar and strident tones. On days like this, Emily longed to find out that she and Mary had been adopted, and that they surely could not have come from such a parent. But she had only to glance up at the portrait of Mamma above the fireplace to see that Mrs. Anstey, painted as a young bride, had had all the beauty of both Mary and Emily, before fat and discontent had ruined her features. At least we have nothing to be ashamed of, said Mrs. Anstey plumping herself down on the sofa. The Earl will find everything here to be of the finest. She looked complacently round the drawing-room as she spoke. Emily followed her gaze and sighed. Everything in their home was constantly being changed. There were no comfortable old chairs, not one stick of furniture remaining from the days of her childhood. Only last spring, All the furniture had been taken out to the lawn and burned, including a pretty heppelwhite escritoire of which Mary had been so fond. Everything was now in the Egyptian mode, a fashion that had dominated the salons of London for some time and was now fast losing popularity. Emily reflected that what was not striped was sphinxed. Sphinx's heads ornamented the tables and chairs, and glass Sphinx's heads winked from the pilasters on the fireplace. The Elms was a large, square box of a house, 
diligently kept free from any ivy or other creepers that might have softened the stark red of its brick outer walls. It was set back from the road, which led out of the village of Malden Grand toward London. It had belonged to a squire Habend, a man fondly remembered by the local county. The Anstys had never met the squire, since he had died some months before Mr. Anstey purchased the house. Emily sometimes imagined him as a jolly and rubicund John Bull, not knowing that during his lifetime Squire Habend had been a rather nasty man and highly unpopular. He was only remembered fondly by the local county as a way of pointing out to the mushroom growth of Anstey's that they did not belong. Mary was to be married in the local church. The Anstey's had been nonconformist, but had changed back to the established church on their arrival in the country. Mrs. Anstey insisted.